Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Booyakasha! This is Michelangelo, a.k.a. Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up! Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And like we said last week, Mike is taking a week off. Uh, He's uh, MIA. Yeah. Missing in podcast. I should have did something. He he got mipped. MIP. Missing in (laughs) podcast. There we go. Brought it back around. We'll see if we can, I don't know, find some random island in the middle of a lake by a zoo or something or i don't know yeah, this with joke a power sucks. plant on it too with a power plant on yeah. it too <laughs> there's a lot so spencer what are we doing this week man <laughs> this week we're covering episodes 29 and 30 from season four of the 1987 series yeah so that's what's michelangelo good for and the dimension x story two and, i don't know i i thought they were all right yeah these are actually some I'd, I'd put these up there as some of the best episodes from this season. Maybe some of the best episodes actually in Ninja Turtles. Like, they actually had some solid stuff going for them that I, I enjoyed. I'm excited to hear what you thought. Yeah. So, without further ado, let me tell you a story. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear. About Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it! So, my episode, number 29, What's Michelangelo Good For? It aired November 10th of 1990, and it was written by Ted Peterson and Francis Moss. So the turtles are rushing to the vet in their van to see Dr. Goodfellow at the zoo um, so that she can take care of Michelangelo's pet pigeon, or at least a pigeon he's been nursing back to health, Pete. On the way, the van breaks down, so they hoof it. Mikey gets the bird there and then learns that the pigeon's wing is all better now. And so then he goes back to the van with his bros and lets Pete go since he is healed and he's good to go now. They fix up the van and are going to head out, but Mikey decides that he wants to stay and walk home and check out some of the animals at the zoo. So after he walks off, we also end up learning that a bunch of animals have been being robbed from the zoo. Now, Mikey's brothers go to leave when a bunch of robots grab onto the van and won't let it go anywhere. The turtles jump out and fight them, but lose and are captured. After a while, Michelangelo gets home and he learns from Splinter that his brothers haven't arrived yet. Splinter senses that they are in danger and sends his son to save them. After getting out of the sewer, Pete shows up and he tells Mikey that he saw his brothers get kidnapped and leads the way. By the way, Michelangelo can speak pigeon. 
fun fact that that is important for this episode out on a private island in the middle of a lake or maybe not so private because it's got like an old power plant on it but either way a secret hideout for this bad guy the brothers have been captured by said bad guy an old zoo director named dr lazoe he is kidnapping animals and combining them to create new ones to serve as an army so he could take over the world and get his old job back as a zoo director. He has captured the turtles to steal their intelligence for the animals in his army. Michelangelo reaches the edge of the lake because Pete has led him there, but uh, Pete doesn't know where to go from there. So now Mikey is stumped. Just then, Dr. Goodfellow shows up. She's on the hunt for the person who has been stealing animals, and it has led her here. They find some strange footprints that lead to the edge of the lake. They decide to check out the island in the middle of it. They get in an old rowboat and get heading there. Dr. Lazo sees them coming and sends his robot submarine after them. Michelangelo defeats it by jumping into the water and throwing his grappling hook at the propeller. It gets wrapped up all in it and uh, makes the submarine blow up. They must be on the right track if they got attacked by a submarine, so they continue. Uh, as they continue across the lake, they run into some strange-looking lily pads, and they turn out to be mines. Mikey jumps out of the boat and pushes Dr. Longfellow past the mines. Just when it seems that, the, that Mikey didn't make it, he bursts out of the water unharmed. They reach the island. An alarm goes off, and Dr. Lazo sends robots after them. Michelangelo defeats them and gets inside the building. His brothers get free, and Dr. Lazo sticks another robot on them. They beat that robot, too. So now Lazo sends his mutant animal army that's been caged, sets them free to get the turtles. But uh, the mutant animals aren't uh, loyal to him at all. They capture him. And Don figures out how to revert the animals back to normal and return them to the zoo. Everyone's happy. The end. Bold, bold storytelling. Um, let's see. I'm up next. Uh, obviously, because Mike's not here. Uh, season four, episode 30. This is the Dimension X story. Um, originally aired September 8th, 1990. Uh, which seems weird because the one you just did aired in November. Yeah, but I'm Maybe. looking on Turtlepedia and in several places it says this aired September 8th. So that's the order it was on in our DVDs. So I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. The, I don't think our, our DVDs are in air order. I don't know what order they're in, but I think they haven't been in air order for a hot second. Because if you look at like the so the DVDs has them in an order and the TMNTpedia list writes the episodes down in that order. But if you go to like the like the Wikipedia page for the show, mm -hmm. they're in the air date order. And so it's different. It was really confusing for me at first. Yeah. Baffling stuff. I, you know, there's a part of me that thinks they're just kind of making up the dates because like. Like who kept all their TV guys from the, from the 90s? Yeah. Like really? Oh, so okay. I mean, someone out there has, you know, like that's how he figured out that comic books could be worth something if you held yeah. on to them. <laughs> I guess if someone was holding on to the, their the bare minimum story. The TV guide channel has held on to their TV guides, probably the people that work there. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of archive. All right. Anyhow, the Dimension X story. So the turtles are having a movie night watching Snow White and the Seven Samurai. 
Meanwhile, April is upset that Vernon has his own talk show and needs to boost the ratings of Happy Hour News with a hit story. In Dimension X, Crane and Shredder are assessing the damage to the Technodrome. Everything is broken except the con system to Earth and a dimensional teleporter that they use to bring the foot soldiers from Dimension X to Earth initially. Shredder uses the comm systems to take over the television airwaves and issues a challenge to the turtles, telling them to meet him at the dump. There, he plans to use a dimensional teleporter to teleport the TMNT to the Technodrome. This message is picked up by the TMNT, April and Irma, Vernon, and the neutrinos in Dimension X. They all head for the dump. Vernon tries to interview the turtles at the dump, but suddenly a giant glowing whirlwind appears. Raph, Mike, Irma, April and Vernon are sucked through the whirlwind into Dimension X. Leo and Don are left behind and they try and fix up Don's portal generator to bring them back using some spare parts that they steal from, from Channel 6. In Dimension X, the Turtles and news crew escape the Technodrome and run across the neutrinos who inform them that they don't have access to a dimensional portal and the only way back to Earth is through the, the dimensional portal in the Technodrome. They break back into the Technodrome and beat Bebop, Rocksteady and Shredder by pushing them into the Technodrome's industrial-sized washing machine. They're able to call Leo and Don on the dimensional radio, who are ready to bring the crew back to Earth. But they can't just yet, because during the fight, Vernon stole a small ship and headed out of the Technodrome in search of a story. Neutrinos know that there's only one happening joint in the area, a bar-slash-fight club called the Pleasure Dome, and that's where they find Vernon. He's instigated a fight, which Raph and Mike assist with. Back at the Technodrome, Krang sends Bebop and Rock City to get the Turtles and news crew while he and Shredder set up explosives in a nearby volcano to dislodge the Technodrome. Bebop and Rock City capture the neutrinos and April and Irma, but miss Mike, Raph, and Vernon since they're busy with the bar fight. When they get back, Krang ties them all up in the volcano with the explosives. Mike, Raph, and Vernon finish the fight and notice their friends are gone. They go back to the Technodrome and free their friends. They then gather all the explosives into one big pile. Don's portal generator is unstable and about to explode, and they get transported back to Earth just in time. The explosives go off, and instead of freeing the Technodrome, it just unleashes a bunch of lava that gets the, gets the Technodrome even more stuck on this, on this planetoid. Back on Earth, April is praised by Vernon, or excuse me, praised by Burn for the footage that she captured, and the turtles get a call from the neutrinos. Kala calls one of them cute, and they argue about who she was talking to. Roll credits. The end. Bold, bold storytelling. Bold. Brave storytelling, perhaps. Oh, uh, by the way, this was uh, written by the late, great David Wise. I think I forgot to mention that. So there you go. There we go. He, well, here, we'll uh, talk about it in the second time around. Yeah. Hey, uh, nice junk. Uh, so before we get talking about the David Wise episode, we'll go back to 29. Yeah, what's Michelangelo good for? As far as I can tell, this is the first appearance of uh, Pigeon Pete. In what a, way. a surprise. Yeah, we'll see if he ever gets mutated in this series. I, I maybe doubt it. Maybe everyone just names Pigeon Pete's and, well, Pigeon's Pete, and it is uh, a coincidence? <laughs> it's possible. You know, I remember like, in the IDW series and the 2012 series, just like the way I watched those for whatever reason, like within a week, Pigeon Pete appeared for the first time in both of those. I was like, this 
could be a coincidence or it could be not. But now I'm seeing him in this. I'm like, were those Pigeon Peats this Pigeon Peat somehow? I don't know. Did, did he ever appear in like the the uh, whatchamacallit series? The Archie one. The Archie comics. No. No, he didn't. There's not a Pigeon Pete that I'm aware of. Where did he come from? Maybe we'll see him get mutated in this series. Maybe. I don't I mean, know because I can believe... he's Michelangelo's best friend of, of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that he can apparently talk to. So like that's a new superpower that Mikey has is the ability to talk to pigeons. Right. Which of all the things they've probably seen a whole lot. So maybe that would be a pretty useful skill. As long as I they're friends. So. I mean, yeah, they're, they're all over the place. Yeah. So we, this is a, a weird divergent story, but I was driving one time, we're getting close to our house and there's these pigeons on South street, like pigeons, what the hell are pigeons doing here? Because like, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, there's like one tall building. Like we don't have the skyscrapers necessary to support that kind of wildlife because pigeons are a very high altitude bird. Right? Yeah. Uh, so there's all these pigeons. And I asked my wife, I'm like, what are these pigeons doing here? And she, with a straight face, she says, oh, it's a South Street pigeon gang. You never heard of them? I was like, what? That can't really be a thing, can it? She totally got me, 100%. She was like, <laughs> I just made up on the spot. I'm like, yeah, but there's all these other like weird like cat colonies that are named things and stuff. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> yep. So yeah, Pid- we have a pigeon gang here. But... Pigeons, the rats of the skies. Right. Sky but, rats. Dirty birds. Yeah. Sky rats. I think we I think we have a few in, in Salt Lake City here in Utah. Uh but not not a whole lot. I know that when I visited the East Coast and was in like Washington, DC, there were more pigeons there than I'd ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. They thrive on scraps of bagels. But yeah, weird to weird to see Pete in this episode. Pigeon Pete. Yeah. At the beginning, he has like a little like ninja mask on. They gave him like a little <laughs> ninja mask when he's in the vet. It's so cute. Team. He actually came with the turtles in disguise. There's like a little slug figure that comes with it. That's Pigeon Pete. It's really uh-huh. cute. Yeah, got a little green bandana on. It's very adorable. Um, let's see. What's the doctor's name in this episode? I forgot it already. Lizzo. Yes, and so this is a, a play on the Isle of. Island of Dr. Moreau, right? Which oh. is a, a, you know an old story where the guy makes human animal hybrids on an island. Yeah. Okay. And I then, didn't. I had no idea. Yeah, and then Jane Goodfellow is the the nurse, and uh, obviously a play on Jane Goodall, who mm-hmm. used to work with uh, apes. There you go. Ah, oh, crap! Is her name Goodfellow? And I accidentally said Longfellow in the middle of my summary. You'll fix it in post, I'm sure. <laughs> or or not. Or I'll just leave it. And, and if you and don't, laugh it's good fellow. Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, I said Longfellow, and then somewhere in there, I switched it to Goodfellow. And I think it's because of... Uh, or I switched it to Longfellow. No idea why. Hmm. Things happen. Go figure. Um, let's see. We also get a reference to Tarzan when Michelangelo says, me, Michelangelo, you, Jane. Uh-huh. Grabs a vine, obviously. He's been waiting to say that. Uh, let's see. No Shredder or Krang in this episode, which at one point that was a pretty uh, incredible thing to not have a Shredder and Krang. But like, it seems like lately every other episode really hasn't had them. So yeah. Kind of a nice treat. Yeah. Season four mixes it up a little bit. And I've talked about this before, how like Donatello's signature move seems to be 
throwing his bow and tripping people. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, uh, Donatello loses his bow, but it still manages to trip Mike, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, even from afar. <laughs> Ready for Dimension X story? Yeah. So, like I, was, like I was saying before, back to that thing where we brought up David Wise, David Wise really seems kind of like the the lore guy for this series like it seems like whenever they want to introduce some sort of like new lore or like expand on anything like usually that kind of takes place in his episodes so it is kind of cool that he usually does that for this series yeah he's the head writer he's like the whole first season was him okay setting up all the neutrinos and everything and this is i mean he had had a long career before this but this is kind of his like magnum opus you know like He's been working on Transformers and G.I. Joe and everything, but this is like his time to shine. So, yeah, pretty cool. But yeah, you're right. Like the way they use things that have already been established, like the neutrinos and, you know, yeah. bringing the whole news crew to go to Dimension X. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he, he usually like builds on on those previously established things. And in a lot of these episodes, you know, he's the one that brought back Lotus. And so, you know, that you're kind of going to get something to maybe can expand things a little bit when. It says this episode is written by David Weiss. Yeah. Maybe it's that's what I miss for me. So like, I like this episode, but sometimes it's like, oh yeah. You know, it's just like whatever, whatever he pulls off the wall from a post-it note, like that's what gets in the episode, whether it makes sense or not. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They're, they are not all bangers. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not insisting on that. I'm just saying that it is neat that he seems like he usually tries to like do a little bit of world building. You know, it's very minimal world building and it's not like a whole lot, but he at least seems like he wants to build on things that previously existed, yeah. uh, which doesn't happen very often in this show. So it's kind of a, a bit of a treat when you finally get to see it. Yeah, I think like the air date makes me think this more so now, but I think this was probably supposed to be the first episode of the season because like talking about how the com equipment is out and they were talking about that like a long long time ago um april says shredder hasn't attacked in a while the turtles say all they do is rent movies anymore um i kind of think this was supposed to be the first episode and like the technodrome gets like even more stuck yeah Lately, we've been seeing them more and more trying to get it unstuck so I, I think this was maybe supposed to be the first episode of the season yeah maybe we should have watched them in air order oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like this broke the entire continuity of the show or anything, <laughs> which it, I'll get to in anchovies, but... <laughs> yeah, the credits are compl- taking place anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's also the first time we end up seeing those, like, baby head masks, whatever you want to call them, those the weird face masks, like the turtle in disguise masks, uh, for the first time in a while. Like, I feel like we haven't seen them in a long time. I know. I guess it's maybe David Wise bringing it back. Yeah. Uh, but we did actually get to see Raphael and one to rent that movie Snow White and the Seven Samurai. So. Yeah, and then Don and Leo, where I'm later to be uh, to Channel Six. Yeah, when they're in different parts. Such a weird mask. It is. But... It's kind of weird, but you know, it showed up again. I figured I'd bring it up. It's it's really, yeah. It is a memorable thing. For what reasons it remains memorable are unimportant, I guess. Because they look uh, like giant monster baby men. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which should be the official title of those masks. Giant monster baby men. Giant monster baby men. Um, Only other thing I had for this episode is that Michelangelo uses his nunchucks, which 
like I feel like we've already said that like this is the last episode he uses his nunchucks in earlier episodes, but like I mm. he keeps pulling them out every now and then. In this one, he actually like does use them. He throws them and disarms Rocksteady. Yeah, I think he's like allowed to pull them out, you know, every once, like every so many episodes. That way, uh, and they just don't air those ones in like Britain and Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to me, like so what I've heard is like the logic is like kids will imitate nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Like they look too fun or something. And that's why they're too violent and outlawed. But I'm like, when I was a kid, like I had a bow staff everywhere. Like every, every cardboard tube, every broom handle, like, yeah. <laughs> any, you know, uh, several rulers taped together. Like I was much more likely to imitate a bow staff than nunchucks. But. When, I, when I was a kid, I would take my, my mom didn't, hadn't bought me like any toy guns or anything like that. It was like when I was real little. I just took one of my sister's Barbie dolls, bent it in half, grabbed it by the legs, and was just like, you know, like pretending like I was shooting. <laughs> it was a gun. You know, the kids, yeah. the kids will invent regardless. Right. Nothing will stop us from imitating violence we see on television. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that being said, I have heard that the nunchuck thing was like because there was like a lot of like gang violence at the time. And like for some reason, gangs were using nunchucks. I don't know why. Man, but I heard that's why they held a pair of nunchucks. You know why they use nunchucks. These are freaking awesome. They are. They are pretty (laughs) cool. But I think because I think in New York, they were illegal for a while. Hmm. I think it had to do with a lot of like gang violence and stuff that was happening with them. So for whatever reason, Gangs in the 80s had adopted the nunchuck, and uh, so they were just too violent because I guess people were actually using them to hurt people in the streets. Now I know. Hmm. And they were originally a farming tool. Other fun fact. How were they used to farm? Uh, so from what I could see, it looks like they, like the part with the chain and stuff like that, like would bundle up the grain and like hold it. And like, you then would cut the rest of it or something like that. And they would kind of keep it in bundles and and use it to sheath the grain. And then it became a weapon because some shogun or something saw farmers using them and was like, I can make that a weapon and decided to develop a fighting style with it. Cause that's what you did in ancient Japan when you wanted to make a name for yourself, I guess. I'm not sure. I've heard but... something similar about Psy that like the three prongs were like used to basically dig a hole in the ground. Yeah. Like to, a, make, a... to make a row basically. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of ninja tools were originally farming tools, farming implements. Hmm. So curious. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's all my second time around that's, stuff. That's all I've got as well. Are we ready to move on to the anchovies? Yep. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. So there's a few moments in episode 29 where the action just kind of looks slow. Like it's it's that classic 80s animation thing where there's like moments that are supposed to be like heavy action. You know, like when He-Man does a somersault and it like takes him like a year to do a somersault. (laughs) Uh, You know, they maybe put one too many frames in there. Not sure. To make it look fluid. But there's a few moments uh, of action in this one that definitely have that very slow 80s uh, effect where the characters just look like they're moving at a really slow pace that kind of mm-hmm. like takes the the spit out of the 
Yeah, takes the, the wind out of the sails. Yeah, yeah it takes the wind out of the sails a little bit. The action scene. I get that. Uh, so I had a couple of anchovies. One, Michelangelo says he doesn't know how to find his brothers after they're kidnapped, but like, man, these guys carry a turtle com with them everywhere. Like, yeah, even try to call them or anything. He's just like, they're lost. I don't know where they are. Like, maybe that's too easy, and that's why they didn't do it. Um, my next anchovy. So, like, from, like, I'm the second episode of this series, Michelangelo has had this cowabunga that sounds like him doing a Tarzan scream. Mm-hmm. He was like, cowabunga, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Tarzan. And this episode, he even makes a Tarzan reference, and then he doesn't do that cowabunga. It's like, missed reference, man. He just does, like, a normal Tarzan yell. Like, yeah. Come on. Come on now. And then finally, my last anchovy, um, if he has all of these robots... Why does this crazy doctor need animal hybrids? Because it's this... a remote-controlled submarine, <laughs> autonomous submarine. Why does he need these animal hybrids? I don't know. Because he's a mad scientist. He is mad. He's got everything he needs already. Just wants more. Come on. Yeah. That's it for my anchovies. I don't really actually have a whole lot. Oh, actually, I do have one more. And we've talked about these episodes where like the villain isn't Shredder and Krang and how they're kind of starting to feel more original. But I would say that they are starting to get stale in the fact that like, it seems like all of them is just like a mad scientist that has some new plan to take over the world, some crazy idea. And this is at least the the fourth one, right? Yeah. They usually, you know, beat the turtles once and kind of have them captured or, you know, for a moment and they come back and fight them uh i mean granted that's just typical action tv show writing right there but you know you got to have your heroes lose and then come back and win that's the that's kind of i feel like basic storytelling right there but that's the trope yeah but they you know they kind of are starting to have a lot of mad scientist villains now whenever it's not shredder and crank so it is one of those things where it's like okay maybe something else (laughs) Yeah. yeah i agree it yeah at least the fourth one i'm thinking there was like barney stockman there was the who is that cycloid when with the yeah. ski episode yeah there's yeah lloyd cycloid and then the, there was there's one more too i want to say but i can't remember who it was because they're all kind of forgettable um there's like the guy with the napoleon complex he's not really he's kind of like a med scientist but not quite yes that's right He's a machine. Well, yeah, I call, boats. Him, I call him a mad scientist. Anyway. Um, bu- bu- bum. Next episode? Next yeah. Story? yeah. Next story. Here's, so it, here's my anchovy that breaks the continuity here. The neutrinos say they don't have a teleporter, but way back, Teenagers from Dimension X, this is a season two episode, neutrinos definitely had a teleporter because that's how they got to Earth. Oh, man. Same. David Wise. Didn't I you know. write that episode? Probably, uh, maybe. No, I think it was okay. Mendelssohn or something. But yeah, I because I look at that too. I was like, maybe he didn't write that episode. It turns out he didn't. But yeah, he did yeah. not. All right, never mind. I take it back. But still, I mean, I was very disappointed with that because he didn't yeah. make a point to say like, I we can't afford them on our on our allowance, even though they can afford star cruisers. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> star cruisers are way cheaper than interdimensional travel right yeah Sorry, uh, as far as we know they grow on trees in dimension x right <laughs> yeah just about anything's possible there true uh my my only thing with this is that it feels like 
this is supposed to like, like the story kind of feels like it's maybe introducing Shredder as like a threat again. And like, he's really maybe actually going to like, I don't know, be a threat again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's still kind of just the butt of the joke, you know, like he brings him into dimension X and then just kind of gets dunked on by the turtles as they just kind of run around dimension X willy nilly. And yeah. it's not really that much of a problem for them. <laughs> I had this written down in the I love section, but since we're talking about Shredder now, I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, I love that at this point, Shredder, he's like, okay, just screw it. We've tried all this stupid nonsense. We've done the, like, you know, the ancient samurai armor that's actually magnetic and will power the Technodrome. We've, like, sent pizza monsters after him. We've done all this other crap. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to teleport them to the Technodrome, and then me and these two roided-out animal men, we're just going to beat the crap out of the turtles. That's his whole plan. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. we're going to bring them here and murder them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Which is, it's not like they haven't tried that before. <laughs> no. Like, like, they haven't teleported them to Dimension X, but, you know, they have tried to beat them up before. Maybe they're counting on home home field advantage. <laughs> right. I like don't know. A surprise or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just love the simplicity of that plan. Like, oh, we could just kill them. That'd be fine. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, do we want to go to I Love Being a Turtle? Yeah. Oh, I love being a turtle. So for this first one, like, it was actually a pretty fun adventure. You know, like, they kind of have, like, this mystery that they're following, like, Michelangelo. Uh, and he's, you know, going through it with the doctor. Uh, trying to figure out where his brothers went you know i actually like jane goodfellow mm -hmm. she's probably in my opinion she's one of the best human like sidekicks that the turtles have had in this show like she's actually like a proactive member of this adventure that like does things and is trying to solve problems like usually april is just kind of there on the side filming and yeah. everyone else is just kind of there because they work with april so it's cool that they have like this doctor. She knows that Michelangelo's a mutant turtle and she's helping him out with, with his pigeon. I just, I actually, I, for some reason, I just really like the character. Like I, it's yeah. cool that they have this ally that's, that's there to help them that knows they're the turtles. And she, like I said, she's a proactive part of this adventure that helps out and, and does things and wants to find this Island as well. Yeah. It'd be great. Like talking about like adding some lore that, like what david wise does like if one of them like got hurt or injured in some way and they like went to her you know like now they have a doctor friend that'd be really cool but yeah well and like who better to like help mutant turtles than a vet right like maybe right. she has more experience with working with various types of animals and could probably help them better than a normal doctor could so anyway it, it could actually could be a great a great character to bring in in future versions in the idw series maybe yeah are you um, listening tom tom waltz our good friend our personal ally <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i will take her over you know zach or what was that shellback lady from a couple of episodes ago the bratty little kid yeah i will take yeah this jane goodall rip off any day yeah she, like I said, I think she's actually probably so far been like the most interesting human sidekick aside from Casey, because Casey's just yeah, out of his gourd, nutso, like you can't be more interesting than a crazy man with a baseball bat, but <laughs> she's, she's a close second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a good episode. Like, like you said, you kind of hit all, all of it. Like there's a mystery going on. There's like 
it's a very michelangelo centric episode uh but it's done in like a good way that's not revolving around pizzas the entire time you know? yeah i don't even think he brings up pizza the whole episode i don't recall myself but i'm also not gonna go back and check um <laughs> there was a good part but i thought this was a great joke i forget exactly what the line is but uh like michelangelo's thinking about something and then there's a voiceover that happens i should have written down what it was but oh yeah it's it's splinter bringing up so i left it out of my summary yeah. but splinter had a vision that there was an island enshrouded by mist and that's where his brothers were and so then when they're at that place and dr goodfellow points out the the island she then says well you know that voiceover happens of him talking about the vision and mentioning mm-hmm. the island surrounded by mist and so then yeah Jane yeah. says what was that <laughs> michelangelo says oh it's just a voiceover i'll explain it later <laughs> yeah <laughs> so good it was like the best fourth wall break <laughs> yeah i love that splinter too like wasn't at all concerned about the his sons he's like okay man just take care of this one on your own you know like, yeah leave go me alone. go do this yeah, you came in during my private reflection time. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, and then I guess the other thing that I forgot to bring up is like, I do really love it as well when Michelangelo is a, uh, is like the kind of the most caring, like has the most like heart of the turtles. You know, like they've really played into that in the IDW series and they do it right here when he like really cares about the pigeon and, you know, wants to take care of it and, somehow is able to speak with the pigeon understands pigeon um but you get to see a lot of that in this episode when he you know he like jumps out of the boat and pushes her out of the mines and you know puts himself in danger to save the doctor it's it's like a good little character moment for michelangelo who hasn't really gotten to have a whole lot of that outside of loving pizza yeah in in these episodes i so in IDW, like Michelangelo is the one who speaks and understands Japanese, but mm-hmm. no one else does. And I yeah. love, and like in this show, obviously he's, he talks to pigeons, which is kind of weird. But I do love when they give Michelangelo linguistic skills, because mm-hmm. like usually they reserve that for like the really really smart guy, right? Yeah. Like you would think Donatello would speak like five languages, but like it's a communication skill, and like Michelangelo's whole thing is being like the most caring and empathetic. So like it makes a ton of sense that Michelangelo would be the one to talk to animals and, and speak other languages yeah tough. learn a, yeah learn a foreign language yeah the other thing i love like in I, I don't know we're talking about this these things but i love in the idw series when after he learns that he can speak japanese he's just like i can read manga now yeah like, i'm gonna go read manga <laughs> and i'm like man dude me and you are in the same boat yeah. like there's a part of me that was like wanting to learn japanese just so i could watch like anime in straight japanese i don't have to have it dubbed or subbed i can know exactly what they're saying and right. understand it <laughs> translate it exactly word for word <laughs> yeah yeah awesome the other thing Good in this episode. Ep- yeah the other thing in this episode is that the jokes are fun like it's got a lot of fun little jokes like we already mentioned the voiceover one there's uh there's a lot of good jokes <laughs> there are indeed <laughs> i had i had one that i liked and it's it's completely left me so uh, i guess it's not making it in it must not been that good <laughs> all right <laughs> but yeah good episode i i would recommend this and then and the next mm-hmm. one these were two really good ones yeah. yeah it was a solid week yeah so that's the thing is like a lot of the the turtles and how much they make jokes in these episodes really kind of actually do remind me of their counterparts in turtles forever like i feel like if you were to take these two episodes and then 
like Turtles Forever would be that much different other than these they don't stop to laugh at their own jokes in these episodes like they do in Turtles Forever. Right. Uh, but they are constantly just cracking off one-liners. But to me, I guess maybe it's because like that's what I found interesting about them in their crossover with the Turtles is how much they kind of joked around and were kind of comedic characters in Turtles Forever when I saw it because that was my introduction to the 87 series. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that playing off the 03 series kind of made them interesting and fun. And so like, that's kind of what I was looking for initially when I got to the 87 series uh, was, was kind of that more jokey aspect. And it, it didn't fully deliver on, on that aspect of them being more playful, but these episodes kind of do. Yeah. So I kind of like that. I know. I remember when I first saw that, it was like, oh, they're just like exaggerating it quite a bit. And mm-hmm. that still feels kind of true, but like, that it's been a long time since i've seen turtles forever but they don't feel like that off like i think there's there's some i've I've heard some people say like they're like they did them dirty or whatever and like Uh i don't don't think they did them that dirty you know (laughs) like like you only only watched the first season of this show is what it was (laughs) well yeah well because like here in in the the story from dimension x there's the scene where they just fill the whole thing with like oil and then they like are just like having fun skating on the oil in circles around Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady. And then they just push them into a, some sort of washing machine thing and they turn it on a heavy duty wash and these like cartoony robot arms come out and start scrubbing them. Like it's, it's very, very silly cartoony stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll never forget the time that they tripped over a change from a parking meter. Yeah. (laughs) I actually went back. That's uh, that's the one with the punk frogs. Invasion of the punk frogs. I, uh-huh. It was bothering me so much. I went back and found it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing about this this next episode, the the adventures in Dimension X, that I like is that this adventure is also kind of fun. Like it it breaks away from the formula of here's this thing on Earth that we need to defeat the turtles. We're gonna get the thing. And we're going to try and use it on the turtles or, you know, be this thing is going to get the Technodrome. We're going to go get it. The turtles will stop them, you know, after they've gotten it, but they'll stop them from actually being able to use it. Uh, This one actually switches it up. You know, they go to the trap, they get brought to the Technodrome and then they kind of duke it out there and get to explore Dimension X. It isn't your typical trope episode and feels like it does something more than normal. And I feel like that's what really made this one pop and, and kind of shine. Yeah, and it's cool to see them explore Dimension X. And I'll be honest, like this is not the version of the turtles that I expected to get in a fight in a space cantina. Yeah. Like welcome change of pace, though, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> no, like like that was really like once again, like it's that kind of that part that breaks out of the norm and is also, like I said, how David Weiss actually kind of tries to expand lore and, mm-hmm. and build on things. It kind of seemed like he was challenging himself to be like, all right, we gotta. You know, I can still use the television as a plot device, but I can't just write a story where the turtles are sitting and watching TV and then April tells them what's going on and they go and fix it. You know, like that's yeah. so many of these episodes of this show is like that. Yeah. This one at least changes it up a little bit. And speaking of, I I love the fact that the turtles just spend their free time together. Like we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. But this episode opens up with them like coordinating to get that. Uh, Snow White and the Seven Samurais video. Yeah. And they all watch it together. And I don't know, it just finally dawned on me like why I like that so much because we don't ever see the turtles spending their free time together like anywhere else. Like if you think about it, like when the turtles have downtime, like Leo's practicing his kata, Michelangelo's reading comic books, 
uh, Raphael's hitting a punching bag and, and Donatello's soldering something together, but they're never like interacting with each other. I think yeah. it's like a, it's a nice like family thing that they just like spend their downtime enjoying activities with each other. It, like we don't really see that anywhere else. It's, it's, it's very nice in this show to see that. Yeah, it is. I didn't even think about that, but it is a lot of fun. The thing they bond over is TV or, or video games, I guess. Yeah, I, I love that they're into like old monster movies and, and cheesy straight to VHS movies. It's it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Good, good episodes. Yeah, they, these are like, like I said, these are probably some of the most solid episodes we've gotten out of the series, I feel like, in a while. Yeah, we're on a good run. I, I hope it, I'm looking at the titles, I hope it uh, keeps up through the end of the season. I know we finally get Tempestra, which she's the character that I've been incredibly curious about. So I am excited for that episode because there's something about the way she looks and her design that I just like and I'm interested. So we will see. Okay. Stay tuned, faithful listener. So we ready for news? Yeah, let's do news. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. I guess you gotta go first because I'm singing. Yeah, all right, guys. Let me break into the news this week because Mike's not here to do it this week, and he's usually the one that kicks it off. So now it's my turn. Um, so biggest thing that has just came up across my news feed today, the day we're recording this. Uh, so it'll probably be about a week old as far as news goes, but still, the last Ronin, the graphic novel, altogether is a New York Times bestseller now. It is number 11 on the best-selling list. That's amazing. I'm, it is. What what a time to be a Turtles fan, you know? Like it, it's a bestseller. It's Turtles has a, a Netflix movie. Uh, man, what a time. <laughs> yeah. And I mean hopefully we really start seeing more out of this like it has become a new york times bestseller which i I feel like is something you know being like the number 11 best-selling book on the market like that's something like maybe we'll finally see that adaptation that'll uh bring comic book turtles you know as we know them now idw turtles and things like that i guess things that are a little more aged up and for a bit of an older audience to the masses Maybe people will take Ninja Turtles slightly more seriously. You know, like, like I'm not saying it's something you got to take, like, you know, incredibly seriously. I, I'm aware I'm talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but these stories are good. You know, it's cool when you can take a bizarre concept and make it this crazy, I guess, kind of serious story, too. Yeah. And what a, like, when I think of comic books on the New York Times bestsellers, like, it's not Ninja Turtles, you know, it's like Sandman and uh, Watchmen. You know, Watchmen, or... yeah, like those are really like Kingdom like very Come. Cerebral you know? kind of things, but like, and not to say the last run is like junk food or anything, but I mean, it, it's, you don't think of Ninja Turtles as like appealing to a broader mass enough to get onto the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. yeah. Which once again is super cool about it. You know, it's actually making it out there. People are paying attention to this book, so... It makes me happy. So it was already like the top selling comic book every month that came out. And now it's one of the top selling books in the nation. It's yeah. Amazing. Books, not even comic books, just books. Super cool. Very awesome. Um, in other news, uh, this is movie news. Uh, we got a release date and title for the Seth Rogen movie. Uh, it will be coming out August 
2023, pending any uh, delays. It will be called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. So there you go. Yeah, we'll see what that ends up being like. I am curious as to what they're going to do. Everyone kind of seems everyone kind of seems pretty set on their super fresh takes lately and your mileage I'm sure like everyone's mileage varies on uh, how fresh they like their takes so we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> I got to stand for it lately. Like it's been really taking me off how many posts are like what do you guys think this movie's going to be about? I'm like can we not just wait for like a trailer or wait like for a tra- the yeah. movie you know like okay i understand because like i i am in the same boat where i'm like curious but yeah i we also don't really know i have i have some speculation already though because i can't help but think about it but we don't know <laughs> all we know is it'll be about mutants and there might be some mayhem involved yeah and you know the ninja turtles will be there for sure right see that's the thing i always want to comment on those posts and be like i bet it'll be about the ninja turtles i'm like what am i doing with my life man come on you're better yeah. than that <laughs> stay off it stay off it stay off it yeah tame the inner <laughs> troll tame the inner troll I, i'm guilty of, of being that way too i can i think everyone has everyone at some point or not you know has done has said something on the internet that they're not proud of so <laughs> oh, yeah oh yeah thanks facebook memories for reminding me of what a horrible person I've been for the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So if there's no other news, uh, Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to be sticking with the 87 series. So we'll be watching episodes 31, 32, and 33 of season four of 1987. So that's Donatello's degree, the big cuffling. Oh, excuse me. There's an exclamation point. The big cufflink caper and Leonardo versus Tepestra. And this episode, with that episode, we will officially be halfway through the series finally. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Is that I'm long? serious. It's that long. Holy cow. Oh my yep. goodness. That is why we are starting to cover this three out of the four weeks of the month instead of just two. It's because I am wanting to speed things up a little bit. So yeah, it'll be, I mean, we're almost, we're almost out of Mirage Comics. We're not even done with season four of this show. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we're able to put a pretty good dent in it and be done with it by the end of next year. Maybe. Uh, yeah, there is a lot here to cover. So I imagine that other series will go a little bit faster, but not too much faster because well, no, they should actually go quite a bit faster because they don't have two seasons in them that are like 40 episodes. So 2003 had a lot of episodes, didn't it? It does. They, and it's got, probably actually does have 26 episode seasons. Um, two of them are only 13. So it's kind of like it actually has six, 26 episode seasons. So six times 26. Let me do the math on this. 156 episodes something like that yeah which is still like 40 less than the 87 series oh that's crazy <laughs> that's absurd this yeah, is 150 and it's still you know only <laughs> three quarters of this show that's yeah amazing. there's almost 200 episodes in the 87 series like it's i think it's like seven or so episodes shy of of being that long man oh man yeah 
but we'll see every single one and i don't know i'll get to maybe put on a resume or something whatever you do with with that information that knowledge i might actually yeah i'm gonna go up to linkedin <laughs> after this and be like i've watched all of ninja turtles <laughs> i have a mind like a steel trap like you you have no idea how much endurance it took to get through that if i can get through the 87 series i can get through anything yeah if we can get through 87 like next mutation will be a breeze oh yeah like it's 26 episodes yeah it's a single season we can yeah. we can knock that out no problem all right well hey if you like this episode uh let us know let someone you know know um best way to spread a word i still believe is word of mouth tell your friends but barring that find us somewhere on the internet uh, you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at ninja turtle ph or search ninja turtle power hour uh, we also have a discord send us a dm you can get in there um i think we're on tiktok as well until you yeah we are we have one single video uh maybe i'll make more eventually there you go. I, I need to get on TikTok. My wife tells me I'll, I'll like it. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a big time sink. I, I personally don't actually like really get on and watch a whole lot of TikToks. I get secondhand TikTok from my wife. Uh, and that's there that's my go. that's my relationship with TikTok. And I created Same. a video for our podcast. Much like secondhand smoke, it might actually be more dangerous for you because you yeah. don't have the filter or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, hey, I, I hate asking for money. I will never ask you for money, I don't think. But we have a coffee set up, K-O-F-I. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's coffee.com slash Ninja Troll PH or Ninja Troll PH Power Hour. I think it's Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I, I try to do the full thing whenever I can just because then it's pretty easy crossover. You yeah. don't have to think too hard about it. But. Well, if you like the show, if you like our voices, look us up there, drop us a dollar. Uh, it keeps us hydrated, keeps our voices sounding nice and yeah. smooth and, and sultry. And we thank you in advance for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, yeah, guys, that's it. That's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga. I, Michelangelo, you, Jane. <laughs> <laughs>Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was going to do the, uh, it was just a voiceover, man. <laughs> I, yeah, for me, that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, crap. I, I haven't thought of it. I haven't written yeah. anything down. In true, in true Mike fashion, I'll just say the first thing that pops in my head that I can remember. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. Keith and Mike, I'm taking it that you want uh, Leonardo versus Tempestra. Right? Yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah. I'm, I am interested in Tempestra.
she just seems like one of the few like iconic villains that like looks iconic and i don't know she appears in other things not in other series but like in games and in pictures and things she seems like she's stuck around and isn't the shredder so i kind of am just curious what's it got I'm going to take the big cufflink caper. I'll admit to watching a bit ahead this week. Uh, just because I was like already, I was already sitting in the chair. Baby was asleep in my arms. I didn't want to move. I'm like, I'm just going to watch the next couple episodes. And cufflink caper is insane. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Donatello's degree. I think Donatello's degree is another one that has a, uh, sorry, I can't speak Don, uh, tell O degree. Is another one with a mad scientist. Mm. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, whenever the eighty-seven series decides to go noir, you know that things are going to get real crazy real fast. Oh yeah, ah, that the Maltese hamster. Yep. Which I like that episode. It's like okay, we steal the statue, and inside the statue is a formula for like rocket super fuel or whatever. Uh huh. Oh man, what a what a what a show that we watch. I mean, the unmentionables isn't isn't too much of a level above them, if I'm going to be honest. For the original, the original yeah. comic books, but it, that it one gets pretty nuts pretty quick. Yeah, that one was always like hit or miss for me. And the more I read it, the more I think it's miss. Like every time I go back to it, I'm like, I, I just like it a little bit less for some reason. Yeah, like I, I loved it the first time, and then the second time, I was like, I don't know, that was kind of long. And then I read it again. I'm the same way. Like I go, I flip flop on it. I, mm-hmm. I guess maybe it depends on my mood or where I'm at in that period of my life of <laughs> whether the story works for me or not. <laughs> I think for me, it's like, and I think I said this when we reviewed it uh, on the show, like at the end when everyone reveals that they're not who they were, but like, I didn't know who they were in the first place mm-hmm. when I read this whole thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. That's the kicker. All right, well, I'll get off here. Um, good luck recovering from working in the sun. Thank you. Yeah, I've still got probably at least one more week of it, so we'll see. Uh, you got tomorrow <laughs> off at least, right? No, I'm I'm working five eights. Oh, okay. All right. I know you're on the four tens on Wednesday. Schedule. Even if it was four tens, I'd be working tomorrow. But oh my I, goodness, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, we don't no. record on Thursdays anymore. <laughs> I had two more days of work this week. Jeez. Sorry to do that to you. Everybody says life is short, but this is going on forever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care, man. (laughs) Take care. Actually, actually, I usually check the Wikipedia or the, what is it, TMNTpedia to see Mm -hmm. if there's any trivia that is cool that I missed. I don't know that I did that this time. I should. I should do that, too. I I couldn't really catch a whole lot of trivia for these episodes, if I'm going to be honest, but yeah. there was like one little, there's a couple things I noticed. I guess, I guess in 29, there was one. So it, it's gotten better. Some of the earlier like trivia for the team in TPedia has been like, how did so-and-so get a grappling hook? It's like, that's not really trivia. That's just like a thing you noticed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like one of those things. It's it's like it's like the solo movie. How like, you know, instead of like being about Han Solo like becoming who he was when we see him in in A New Hope, it's kind of more just like how do you get all the stuff that he has 
in a new did home. <laughs> did anyone ever notice that like dice thing he had hanging from his mirror? Like I had never seen that. I've seen that movie a billion and a half times. I never once took a look at his rear view mirror. <laughs> yeah, me neither. His rear view mirror to see out the back window. Like, yeah, I know. Well, and that's too, like when I got done with that movie, I'm like, okay, but like, wh- where did Woody Harrelson get all that stuff? I'm like, now they're yeah. going to make a movie where like Woody Harrelson gets all that stuff from another guy. Right? You're not wrong. But it's like, you know, oh, here's where he got his blaster. And, you know, anyway. That's why it's like a prequels too, because they're like, oh God, the Millennium Falcons get sucked into a black hole. I'm like, no, it's not, man, because how would it be in the next movie? You know? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, my argument for that is that like, we we rewatch movies all the time you know like if the movie wasn't good and enjoyable or you know there was no point in the story being told like then we wouldn't ever rewatch movies or rewatch things you know like like because we we know the ending for that too Ah, that's true okay that's a that's a fair point if it's good enough it warrants it but i don't know i'm i'm a fan of prequel stuff anyway so Hmm. I, i want more darth maul i want to see uh I just want to see what happened to Darth Maul in between Rebels and the end of Clone Wars. Because he went from having a whole crime syndicate to uh, not. (laughs) And living on his own and hunting for Kenobi uh, and trying to figure out where he is so he can get his vengeance. So I really want to know uh, what happened in there. Because at the end of Solo, we see he's the leader of Crimson Dawn. So I guess even after Clone Wars. You know, he's still the leader of Crimson Dawn. He still has his crime syndicate. So what happened between there and Rebels? I, so I haven't seen I haven't seen Rebels or uh, the other one you mentioned. Clone Wars? Clone Wars? Yeah. So only in like the last year or so have I learned that Darth Maul survived being cut in half. <laughs> it has and has like robot legs. Like, like yeah, I was like I, a year ago old when I learned that. <laughs> I highly recommend the Clone Wars, but you don't have to watch all of it. Look for like one of those, like there, I think there's one on Gizmodo or a few, or maybe another, another one of those websites. That's a pretty, or I think it's Polygon or something like that. I think is what it has on. Yeah. They just have like an abridged, like, yeah, they have like an abridged to launch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it skips most of season one as it should, uh, you know, so like season one is really rough animation. Like, you, I don't know, like the models don't look very good. The mouths don't always sync up. Like characters are kind of blocky. The voice actors are still kind of settling into their characters and aren't as quite, quite as convincing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's super, super quippy, like all the time. Everyone is just quipping all the time. Uh, you know, it's definitely kind of aimed at a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have episodes like uh, Bombad Jedi where Padme is kidnapped and can't, doesn't have any way of communicating, but the other senator they sent with her is Jar Jar Binks. And he puts on a Jedi robe and pretends to be a Jedi. And by being Perfect. an idiot, yeah, by being an idiot saves the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Through my powers of stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, so there's episodes like that. But like I said, in this polygon list, you pretty much get to skip all of that and kind of get into the episodes that kind of build lore and and other things it also gets you know like i guess surprisingly violent you know i mean it's a kid's show yeah you know it's a kid's show you know people people are always out there being like oh you're gonna say the clone wars is a kid show it is clone wars is a kid show 
but you know it does get a little mature and does actually like kill off main characters and have them die people run people through with lightsabers like the movies yeah so perfect I've seen the Clone Wars shorts by Guinea Tartakovsky. Yeah. Have you ever watched those? Yeah, I have watched I those, yeah. I think actually, have you watched Primal? I have. I, I've watched the new first show? season. Yeah, I've watched the I first it, season. I need to watch season two still. I think, didn't season two like just start a couple weeks ago? Or am I wrong about that? I think it started a while ago, but okay. I, I don't know. Like I, I kind of fell behind on it. I liked the first season, but I don't, somehow I ended up rewatching Clone Wars again. <laughs> <laughs> HBO Max just keeps feeding the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bought I bought the new Stars Battlefront too because it was on sale and like I'd heard it kind of sucked, but I wanted to do it. And like I've just learned that I have so much nostalgia for like Clone Wars era Star Wars, like battle droids running around mm-hmm. and super battle droids and and Darth Maul and General Grievous and, and all that stuff. And so I I eat it up. And so like it just like activates those nostalgia happy sensors in my brain. And nice. I've been having fun playing the same like five maps of just Clone Wars maps <laughs> on this game Man, for the past love, week. I used to love Star Wars Battlefront back in the day, like the oh, first yeah. time around, you know. I remember this mm-hmm. one time, man, this computer. So it must have been the second one because, like, I don't think you could play as the Jedi, but it would show up every now and then. Yeah. This one time Vader showed up. Yeah, like, he oh, showed up I'm... on like Cloud City. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna freaking die so bad. But there's like one random AI on my team, like, grabbed this like turret and just like left him in the corner, basically. Like, if you shot at him, you know, they would deflect it every time. Yeah. But they'd stop moving when you deflect, when they deflected it. So this guy just like, pinned down vader for the entire fight in a corner of the map it was the greatest thing ever <laughs> you're just deflecting all these lasers i'm like go man go <laughs> the craziest like game glitch thing i ever had is so it was like clear back when it was the steelers and the packers that went to the super bowl uh man, so like steelers... i was a grown man when that happened yeah it's still way back yeah yeah <laughs> i'm old uh, I, I was young. It was my first Madden game, but I was playing Madden on the Wii, you know, so you know it's high quality, amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, it's actually throw the nunchuck in yeah. that game, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you move the remote to throw it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Fantastic gameplay. Fantastic. No glitches. Amazing graphics for sure. Um, so I, I was playing against the Steelers in this game. And I tackled their quarterback and injured him. And so the backup quarterback good, came Good in. for you. Yeah. Good man. It, in, came, in came, I think it was Crabtree was their back, backup quarterback or something. I'm not sure. But uh, I bust through their line. I'm chasing him. And he's turned the, you know, the opposite from the end zone he's trying to get to. He's turned around and is running from me. Mm-hmm. And he's like just about in his own end zone. Like that's how far this guy has ran away from me. And then suddenly his arm goes like sideways rotates through his back like inside of his body and then just like throws the ball in the direction he's running so away from any of his wide receivers throws it it goes like a couple feet stops in midair and then goes the opposite direction for like a 70 yard pass completed 
<laughs> well, Crabtree was, was actually so- known for that. That's not a glitch. <laughs> <laughs> he was known for his arms entering his body. Yeah. And breaking all as the he time threw the space. football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Defying the laws of physics. Yeah, it, it was the most insane thing I'd ever seen. I had an old like brick phone that I'd filmed it on. Mm-hmm. But like the power button on it broke. So I had to keep it charged at all times. Otherwise, I'd never be able to turn my phone on again. And then believe it or not, my phone died. And so uh, the video is lost forever. But uh... (laughs) I got I got two stories for you. One, I've only owned two football games in my entire life. The first one was NFL quarterback club 96 for the Sega Genesis. Uh And then. When Britt Favre retired, I was like, okay, he's the last guy on the roster in that game. I bought uh, like Madden 12 for the Xbox 360. I've uh-huh. never bought another football game. I've only ever had those two. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have 12 because Rodgers was the quarterback. I think I had Madden 10 or 11. No, I think right. it was Madden 12 I had. This one had Peyton Hillis on the cover, the Browns uh, running back. It might have been 13, actually. It was around that time. I've been um, 11. It's been so long, I can't remember. All I remember is that it had... Peyton Hillis, Madden... I do remember the music in it, though. It had Architect by Rise Against. It had Down With The King by Run DMC in the playlist. Nice. (laughs) These are the things that I pay attention to. Uh, (laughs) This one had a 6 foot, 7 foot by uh, uh, Lil Wayne. Yeah, this one had that one, too. Okay, yeah, it was 12. I had 12, 12 too. All right, I also had 12. Awesome. Are you yeah. sure it was Brett Favre or is he like unlockable or like Brett Favre had retired? That's he retired. Why I, yeah, and I was like, okay, now I now I have a game where no active players are on the roster, so I will buy a new game. Yeah, that that's why that I like bought the first a... game without Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually why I got a why I had got one of the FIFA games was because one of my favorite teams had dropped down into the B League. And so it would no longer be available to play in any future FIFA games until they go back up into the Premier League, uh, the Argentine Premier League. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, I was like, I was a big fan of them. And so I knew it would be the last time I'd get to like actually be able to play that team. So I went and, and bought it so I could be San Martin they San Juan. Because <laughs> there's more than one San Martin in, in Argentina as well. So you have to specify which one, where it's from. There's more than one team based San Martin. Because there's, there's, everything's named after San Martin there. He's there, George Washington, essentially. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like how we have Washington State and, you know, Washington, D.C. And they do the same thing with the San Martin. Weirdly <laughs> enough, if you drive, like, my family, I'm in Nebraska. My family's in Ohio. So when we go home, like... I think like Illinois is land of Lincoln and then Indiana is like Lincoln's childhood home. And then Kentucky is like uh, Lincoln's birthplace or something like, like a swath of the United States claims Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> as, as theirs. As, as theirs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of South America claims San Martin kind of, except for he, he is Argentine. He was Argentine, yeah. I guess I should say, but yeah, he was there. The liberator went to chile and everywhere else to help liberate south america from from spain awesome yeah fun fact i've been digging in a little bit into to my argentine history especially their comic book history comic tropes has this great video on and i'm going to be reading it 
uh, but it's this thing called the Eternaut. And the guy who wrote it, it was during like when their government was like super militaristic. They straight up disappeared him for having written oh. this comic. Well, maybe not for the comic exactly, but for his political views, especially uh, he got disappeared for after having wrote, wrote this comic book. So this comic strip, and you can actually find it in English published by Fantagraphics, like a whole collection of it. Anyway, I'm going to be reading it. So I'll let you know if it's good. Supposedly it's amazing. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Mateo San Luco. Is he from Argentina? The way Santa Luca was written, I want to say it's Portuguese because it's got that U yeah. in there, OU in there. I think you're right. It's, U. It says he resides in southern Brazil. Yeah. So that would be, yeah. There's some artist I know from Argentina and I cannot remember their name. Hmm. I'll think of it tonight when I'm laying in bed. Could it be Pharaoh Pay, the guy who's currently the artist for the opening moves part, at least, of Armageddon Games? That might be it, actually. Yeah, I'm not huh. not sure, but I was looking at him, and he looks like he could be Argentine when I saw a picture of him. But you know, maybe I don't know if I'm really that good at uh, determining nationality by. Yeah, I I generally default to I am not good at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I try not to try. I try not to uh, assume, right? <laughs> yeah, this is our bonus content, so I might have embarrassed myself, but <laughs> here I, I'll I'll one up you here. So, um, it, it's to a point. My wife thinks I might have some at least mild form of face blindness, but like I will see someone on television and be like, "Is that that actor?" And she's like you're you're always wrong first off but second off you need to stop guessing if that's the actor for minority characters because it makes you look real real racist so. yeah well and i'm and i'm an idiot because pharaoh pay it looks like he's located in mexico mexico oh so gabriel ba was just the guy kidding I was thinking of uh the guy from umbrella academy but he's also from brazil so i i i must be just just doing a a Berenstein Bears kind of thing here. <laughs> Just not know what I'm doing. So, uh, well, you know, uh, Lano Messi, he's Argentine. There you go. There we, we go. have we have properly we, identi- we properly <laughs> identified one person from Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, <Louise. laughs> uh, uh, and with that, maybe we should actually get into the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat>